Zacchaeus' life is radically changed, but not by somebody telling him to get his life together. It's not radically changed by somebody inviting him to the temple or the synagogue. It's not radically changed because Jesus spoke this magnificent word. He was simply invited to be with Jesus, and that was more than enough. When we set out to connect the disconnected, whether we're going to these events or we're doing bar church or whether we're doing something altogether new we've not yet done, our aim in connecting the disconnected is simply and always to help people be with Jesus. Because I believe there, that's where we find grace and hope and strength and life. That's where our life begins to look different. We begin to see the ways that we have sinned and hurt other people and say, I want to make it right to seek healing, to be who God made me to be. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out And God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. My name is Adam, and I'm one of the pastors here. Well, for the moment, the only pastor, just a couple more weeks, and then Adam, the other Adam, is starting seminary, so that'll be fun. Uh, It is so good to be here this morning. I had the opportunity to meet a few of you for the first time, so for those of you who are here for the first time, thank you. Thanks for trusting us. Thanks for joining us. Uh, For those of you joining on live stream who aren't here in person, I'm glad you can still be a part of our family from a distance. And for those of you that have been here maybe a hundred times or even more, those of you who've been here longer than I have and more frequently than I have, I'm glad you're here too. We are kicking off today a series all about who are we as the point and all about what's the point. Like, why do we gather on Sunday morning? Who are we as a people? And most importantly, what does it matter for the community around us? Why should us as the body of Christ, the the fellowship of believers, why should we be of any kind of value to the community around us? I love that video that we used to show when we were pretty new. Like that's about as old as we are as a church. Later this month, we're gonna celebrate um, 11 years as a church and gathering and that's gonna be really cool. But I love that video because it kind of flips what you would expect there at the end. Sometimes when it comes to church and the people of God, there's this idea that to be a part of the church, you have to look or be or act a certain way. That's not exactly what we believe here. And so over the next several weeks as we share about um, who we are and who we're going to be, I want to encourage you, if this is your home church and your main church family, please participate every week, either online or in person, But join us, because the things we're going to discuss are, I think, foundational for who we are as a people, and most importantly, foundational for where we're going in the future. So today we're going to begin with something that we have 
uh, not recently, but we used to talk about on a regular basis, who we are as a church and why we exist. Now, if you've been around the Christian community for any period of time, you've probably heard these verses in Matthew. These verses we're going to look at here in a moment, these are from Jesus after he rose from the dead, before he ascended into heaven, the very last thing recorded in Matthew from Jesus. Jesus' command to the people, his disciples, this is what I want you to do. It's sometimes referred to as the Great Commission. You ready? Here's what it says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And I just love that real quick. Uh, We'll talk more about this in some weeks to come, but part of that is, is what shaped our culture that says text in questions. The very disciples who watched Jesus die and then watched him rise from the dead, who spent that time on the ground with him for three years, they gathered to worship and some still doubted. It is okay to have questions in your faith, to say, I don't have all the answers and I don't know everything and some of this is really weird. That's okay. So they gather and some doubt and then Jesus says this. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I like that verse quite a bit because if I stood up here and said, everything I speak is the most important thing you will ever hear, I would hope that you listen to what follows. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. I have authority over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, over the wind and the waves. I have authority over life and over death. So the things I'm going to command you are really important. And this is what he says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, I have all authority. And as a result, here's what I'm telling you. Go make disciples. If you've been around the church for any period of time, this is for the last 2,000 years, kind of the driving force of why Christians are who we are and what we do. We are all about going into this world to make disciples. Sometimes here in the South, we talk about making disciples and less about the teaching people how to follow Jesus and more in the sense of are you lost or are you saved? Sometimes making disciples for many, uh, and even sometimes for us, we can be guilty of this too. Making disciples is just about getting people to show up to church or a church event. If you just come to this thing, now you're a disciple. That's not the way it worked for Jesus. For him, a disciple was somebody who followed after his way of life, who sought to imitate him by being with him, who sought to become like him and then in turn begin to do the very things he did. And a disciple for Jesus was more than just a believer, somebody who said, I I believe that to be true. In fact, throughout scripture, all sorts of people and beings believe in Jesus and have no interest in following after him. To go and to make disciples has nothing to do with people showing up on Sunday morning. It has to do with lives being transformed, 
being made new in the image of God. And I'm not talking about lives being made new in the sense that suddenly you're more perfect than you used to be. If you've been around here for any length of time, you know I am still a complete and utter mess. I am a screw up day after day. In fact, just earlier this week, I was talking to somebody who was struggling with addiction and he was saying he was finally ready for recovery and he wanted some help. And I cleared my schedule. I said, I'll find you a place to go. Let's, let's do this. And his struggle was, I just, I look at you and I know you've got it all together and I'm just a mess. I said, I don't have it all together. He goes, well, have you ever had addiction? I said, no, but I got plenty of other problems. I said, like what? I said, I struggle with anger. And he just kind of laughed. I said, no, really, if you cut me off in traffic without a blinker, you'll hear about it. Or at least my kids will hear about it. And then I'll hope they don't repeat the things I said. So I, I struggle with anger. Sometimes I snap at my kids even when I know I shouldn't. And just yesterday, we spent the whole day having a great time with our neighbors. And at the end of the day, when my kids were tired and worn out, I became the monster I didn't want to be. See, being a disciple does not mean your life is perfect and you've got it all together. But it's about where are we aiming at? What are we focusing on? Who is our source of strength and hope and energy when we fail? Who is our source of grace? When we seem to be getting it right, who reminds us to remain humble? Jesus, he gives this command, go and make disciples. And the church has been going. But somewhere along the line, we got distracted and going to make disciples meant all about people in our buildings and in our seats. And we, we began to focus on some of the wrong things. So 11 years ago when Pastor Matt was given the task of setting out to launch a new church in Knoxville. As, as Pastor Matt and the, prayer, or the team around him were praying, as this launch team was saying, where do we go and what do we do? Knoxville does not need more churches. In fact, Knoxville has almost 700 churches in Knox County. And yet, three out of five people in Knox County have no church family. We have over almost 700 churches and the majority of people here, we could fill Neyland Stadium three times with the people who admit themselves not having a church home or church family. Even as many of them claim to be following Jesus. What are all of us as churches doing if people are so disconnected from the very thing God has given to us to grow? Maybe we're missing the mark. And so Pastor Matt, he set out with this team, he said, I don't want to do what every other church is doing, and I don't want to do something new simply for the sake of doing something new. What is it God is asking us to be about? What's really important? So maybe you've heard this phrase before, this is our church mission statement, and this is how we have chosen to filter everything we do. Anything we say yes to, we ask the question, does it help us accomplish this goal? And if it doesn't, even if we really want to do it, we say no. This is the goal, the mission. It's that we, as the point, as a church, we exist to connect the disconnected, to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus. See, to go and make disciples has to be about more than just telling somebody about Jesus, inviting them to church. It has to be about connecting people 
in a way that is meaningful and significant. And I don't just mean connecting people to Sunday morning. See, to connect the disconnected is to recognize that every single one of us has something in our lives that pulls us away from God and away from his love, that wants to speak shame or regret or condemnation into us. We have something that is leaving us more broken than we were before. And for many, the thing that disconnects us is the church itself. We see the church as hypocritical. We see the church as judgmental. We see the church as spending all this money on buildings and not on people. We see the people of God not acting like the people of God. Probably near weekly, I get a message from somebody who's really hurting. And they're really hurting because they look at their faith in what Jesus said and did and what they see of Jesus in scripture. And they look at their church family, sometimes even at our church family. And there seems to be a huge gap between the two. And they're hurting, saying, where is Jesus in the midst of these broken people? I love Jesus, but not so much Christians. Pastor Matt and the team, they set out to say, we exist to connect the disconnected. That means to look for those who feel like God has left them or who feel like they're not welcome or maybe even those who've never known God, who are altogether far from him. They're generally good people, but they have no idea how much he cares so to do this, Pastor Matt and the early team said, how do we connect the disconnected? It's not enough to just invite them into the things we regularly do. See, 30 or 40 years ago, the church could function almost like a magnet for the community, right? If the church had some new event or some new experience or some new style of music, people were already seeking that out, and now by offering it, people wanted to come in. But the church has lost its relevance in our culture. And, and I don't mean relevance in the sense that we always have to do something new. I mean relevance in that for so long we got caught up with be in the building that we missed out on the fact that people are going every single day to work and to play and to do life in all sorts of ways. And we taught people for so long, being a Christian means coming to the space, as opposed to living in such a way that everywhere you go, people are drawn to Jesus. Everywhere you go, people see in you Christ. And so setting out to launch this church, they made some decisions that were very crucial to our identity and who we are. For example, up until last year, we met in a movie theater. Why? Because that's a safe place for people who've been burned by the church. Not only did we meet in a movie theater, we intentionally said, where are people spending their time who are disconnected from the church? Well, it's generally not at church potlucks. So instead, how about we go to where they are? And we started signing up for things like Brewfest and Wingfest and Tattoo Convention where we just show up at these events and just hang out and have conversations. We used to hand out koozies by the thousands and the koozies would have some little slang like Jesus loves me and my tattoos or, or something else. And oftentimes these koozies had nothing to do with koozies. They were simply a conversation starter. 
And time and time again at these events, even in the couple of years I've been here, I've heard people say this one thing. Now they've said it a little differently, but they say it over and over again. What is the church doing here? Why would you be in this event? My favorite was at Brewfest. At Brewfest, if you've never been there, was an, it's an event where you get to sample a whole bunch of beers and it's a lot of fun if you like beer. And if you don't like beer, it's kind of fun just if you like people watching. And, and so we would go, we'd hand out koozies, we'd hand out bottles of water and we'd just talk to people. And, and there was one guy, the first year I went to Brewfest, there was one guy, he came up to me at the start of the event before he'd sampled beers. And he's like, what are you doing here? So we're just here to have conversations and say we love you. And he's like, my church would never be here. I said, okay, well, I'm glad you're here. And he walked away, he had a few uh, drinks and that kind of took the edge off a little bit and he came back and he's like, it's so cool that you guys are here. My church would never be here. <laughs> and, and I laughed at how different that experience was for the same person. See, that's not to brag and boast, look at how great we are, but to say we always viewed and will continue to view connecting the disconnected as our most important priority. And the way we do that is to focus on being with them, on spending time in places that are safe, that are inviting, where people want to be, not so that we can convert them or save them or have any just magnificent moment where they suddenly stop doing the bad behaviors they did before. No, our goal is just to love and to be with people. See, when we do that, it makes a big difference. If all of our focus as a church is to connect the disconnected by saying, come join me on Sunday morning, let me just give you this illustration and tell me how it feels. Imagine over the course of the last year and a half with being isolated and a little more shut down at home, you found the time to connect with your neighbors. And maybe over the course of the last year and a half, you and your neighbors started getting together on a regular basis to just hang out and ha share some food. And, and while you're doing this, you discovered that your neighbor across the street is Muslim. And you got to know them pretty well and they seem to be pretty great people and you actually really like hanging out with them. And, and for the most part, uh, if you're working, you're leaving the home, maybe most of your interactions are just kind waves, but every now and then you get to like, share a meal, you get to really connect, and you go, this is great. I think these neighbors are awesome. And now imagine if Ramadan came around, a really important holiday for them, and they came over and they knocked on your door and they said, I just wanted to let you know, we're going to the mosque tomorrow and I would love for you to join us. And, and then you said, well, that's not really my thing. And then imagine if you said, they said look, you're gonna really love it. Our mom, he, the way he speaks, you're just gonna love the things he says. It's just gonna hit you so close to home. You're gonna love everything about it and he's funny. You're gonna like him a lot. Just come listen, you're gonna love what he has to say. Would it be uncomfortable? Or imagine if then they said, look, you're gonna really like our youth program. Our kids, they're just so great. You're gonna wanna be around our kids. You can't wait. Your kids are gonna love it. They're gonna make so many friends. Just join us at the mosque, it'll be really awesome. Would you be uncomfortable? Chances are, it'd be really strange. What does that mosque have to do with my life? What do I gain from being a part of that community that I don't altogether believe in? And maybe I don't in any way believe in it. Really, I'm kind of clueless and don't know much about it. And yet for so often and so many of us, 
That's how we've approached making disciples. Just come and join me at church. The pastor's awesome. You're gonna love the band. They're really great. Our youth program's so fun. Our potlucks are a, a great time. You should try all of our jello salads and the other things we have, right? How weird is that to somebody not connected to the church? And so as we connect the disconnected, we aim to do so in a way that is not off-putting and not judgmental, but is practical. We care about you, and that's it. If you want to join us, great. If not, we still care about you. Can we care about you here or there or wherever we are? And there's a story in scripture that for Pastor Matt was really encouraging. I spoke with him on the phone this week asking some questions. And I just found this story. I love it also. And so not knowing it was kind of how connecting the disconnected became our thing. I said, well, that's, I guess, what I'm going to preach on this week. So if you want to follow along, will you join me in Luke chapter 19? This is the section of scripture that for Pastor Matt and that early team really helped them solidify this is what it means to connect the disconnected. Luke chapter 19. I think if you are using one of those blue Bibles, it's page uh, 1096. Here's the story. He, being Jesus, uh, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now we'll just pause right there for a moment. A chief tax collector. Anybody friends with an IRS agent? Anybody friends with the IRS agent after they come collecting? Probably not. But this was even worse. You see, the tax collectors were viewed as those traitors, those who had abandoned the way of God and the people of God, those who turned their back on what was right and they're living in this sinful life because tax collectors were known for not just collecting taxes but increasing taxes. They were known for saying, not only do you owe what the government says, you owe more than that so that they could make money. And so they were thought of as traitors, as outsiders, people who had abandoned the community of faith. The story says this man was a tax collector and was rich. So he'd been really successful at cheating people and lying to people and stealing from people. He'd been really good at doing all sorts of bad. Jesus is coming into town, and this man, it says, he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. Just love how nice Luke puts that, right? He's really short, and the crowds were too big, so he couldn't see Jesus. But I like that even more. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. I've found in my life, for the most part, when we stop inviting people to church, and we start trying to be the church, we start trying to live out our faith every single day, people find Jesus really, really attractive. Jesus is awesome, even as you and I sometimes suck. It's like, I'm curious who Jesus is, he's trying to figure out. So because he's short, it says, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now picture this scene. There's a whole crowd of people pressing in around Jesus. A whole group of people really just 
crowded shoulder to shoulder, eager to have a moment of time with Jesus. And Jesus, he walks up to this tree and he stops, he looks up and says, hey, what are you doing? Come on, I, I need to have dinner at your place tonight. All the people he could have chosen and that's the one he chooses. This tax collector this cheater, this traitor, this one who for all practical purposes had abandoned his people. Hurry on down, I need to have dinner with you. And then, this is what happens. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they, being the crowd, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. I love this, before Jesus ever responds. Simply at the invitation of Jesus, look, I don't care about your mess and I don't care about your sinfulness and I don't care how far gone people think you are. Come and be with me. Let me be with you. Simply at that invitation, he receives Jesus joyfully and other people don't like it. It often makes us really uncomfortable when the disconnected become connected because we think they need to immediately begin to be like us. But maybe we have something to learn from them. Those who dress different or smell different, those who act different, those who have a circle of friends who are nothing like our friends. Maybe instead of believing they need to become like us, we need to become a little more like them. So this is what happens before Jesus ever responds simply upon the accusation of the crowd. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus was so excited about the opportunity to be with Jesus. Jesus was so enticing to Zacchaeus, this man who made a living cheating people out of their money, said, if there's anybody I've wronged, I will repay it fourfold, which is far more than the Old Testament law required of people. Not only this, I'll give half of what I have to the poor. Now, we could view this perhaps as Zacchaeus trying to earn his favor with God, but he's already been invited to the table. Jesus has already said, I want to eat with you. So this isn't Zacchaeus earning or doing anything to, to be worthy of that love, rather in response to what God has done because he's welcomed in the presence of Jesus. Zacchaeus says, whatever it takes, I'll give it all. The only thing that seems to matter to Zacchaeus now is being with Jesus. I love this story because Zacchaeus' life is radically changed but not by somebody telling him to get his life together. It's not radically changed by somebody inviting him to the temple or the synagogue. It's not radically changed because Jesus spoke this magnificent word. He was simply invited to be with Jesus, and that was more than enough. When we set out to connect the disconnected, whether we're going to these events, or we're doing bar church, or whether we're doing something altogether new we've not yet done, our aim in connecting the disconnected is simply and always to help people be with Jesus. Because I believe there, that's where we find grace and hope and strength and life 
That's where our life begins to look different. We begin to see the ways that we have sinned and hurt other people and say, I want to make it right to seek healing, to be who God made me to be. But then it continues after this, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. See, Jesus sees this transformation in Zacchaeus and declares for everybody, see what God has done in him? Surely this man has been saved. And he also goes a step further and says, he's a son of Abraham. He reminds the people listening, he's always been a child of God. Even when he was cheating and squandering and stealing, even there in his sinfulness and his brokenness, he was still a son of Abraham. And so he is part of those included in these promises. As we seek to live out connecting the disconnected, we do so in such a way that doesn't look upon people's sins as a stumbling block and says, first fix this and then be with Jesus. It's our job just to bring Jesus with us wherever we go. We do that in a lot of really simple ways. Like today when you eat, maybe at the food trucks afterwards, or maybe you go out to lunch someplace else, how do you treat your waiter or your waitress or the person making your food? Do you love them with kindness? Do you tip like you care about them? How do you treat them? In our office places, we don't need to have those awkward conversations where it's like, um, my church is doing this thing. Would you like to come on out to this thing we're doing? But rather invite people to just be with us. Hey, can we sit together and have lunch instead of sitting in our cubicles or our offices separate from one another? Can we just be around each other and see what God does out of that? Or maybe in your families, connecting the disconnected, maybe it starts with just taking a serious look at where are you pushing your family away from God? So for example, with my anger, I know that's not good and I know that my kids learn everything they see me do. So last night, after getting mad at Elijah, I apologized and asked for forgiveness. And this morning, he's, he woke up right as I was getting ready to go out the door. He said, Dad, can I come early with you if I get dressed? And I said, okay, I'll wait. And he hurried to get himself dressed and then I had to wait for him to eat some breakfast too because uh, otherwise hangry Elijah, that's a mess. <laughs> and we left and in the car, I again said, Elijah, there's some other things from yesterday that I need to apologize for. And I did because it's my hope to not be a stumbling block to my son. So maybe in your family, connecting the disconnected begins by recognizing ways you've made it hard for them to see Jesus in you. As we go forward in the years to come, with or without big events, I don't know what God's gonna put in front of us. But we're gonna filter everything we do through the lens of how does this help us be with people who feel far from God? And in turn, how does this help us invite people who are far from God, draw near to him? When we each live like this, I promise you God will move in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. Like kids, there are kids in here today. How many of you started school already, anyone? I think just only a handful. How many of you are starting school this week? 
Any of you high schoolers or middle schoolers or elementary kids, right? In your schools, you can connect the disconnected just like I can when I'm going out to eat or your parents can in their office places. When you go out of your way to sit with the kid who everybody makes fun of, or you go out of your way to love the people who are maybe very different than you and to treat them with kindness, the way you serve them can be a way that you also connect the disconnected. Our hope and our prayer as a church is that every one of us sees this not as the church's mission, but our mission. This is how we go and make disciples, by seeking those who are far from God and trying to bring Jesus to them by being Jesus for them. Will you pray with me today? God, we thank you for Zacchaeus. We thank you for this man who is eager to see you, that you invited him in. Come and be with me. We thank you that that invitation changes everything. God, as we seek to connect the disconnected, as we seek to reach out to those who feel far from you, give us a heart that moves out of our comfort zone to be with people where they are, to look past the sins that they're committing, to look past the weird beliefs that they're holding, God, to look past the ways that we, we act or think or, or even believe differently. Help us to love them wholeheartedly and unconditionally. God, as we spend time with you, may others draw near to you through us. Lord, we pray for those students going back to school this week. As they go into their schools, that you would give them the courage and the strength to love as you love. To seek out those who are far from you or maybe who've been told you're not an, they're not enough for you. And God, would we also as adults do the same? That together in everything we do, may we connect those who are far from you to you and with you that they can grow in their knowledge and their understanding and their love of how great you are and how much you care. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. As we continue our worship today, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. Uh, if you prefer to give cash or check, you can do so in the popcorn buckets in the back of the theater. Uh, along with those physical connect cards, if you filled one of those out, you can put it in that bucket as well. Uh, again, that, that little bucket's just an ode to where we've been, the movie theater we came from, to remember that even in this space, everything we do is about seeking those who are far from God and being with them. If you prefer to give electronically, you can do so at thepointknocks.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. Now, the last couple of weeks, I've asked for some, anybody who wanted to give something extra to help us buy some new coffee pots. We were seeking to raise $1,500 for some new coffee pots to brew better coffee more consistently. And I just wanted to share with you that thanks to your generosity over the last couple of weeks, we reached that goal. So thank you for giving and supporting. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll be getting those in the next couple of weeks and you'll notice a remarkable difference in the coffee you get to enjoy every Sunday morning. However you give today and whatever you choose to give, know this, we don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. So Emily, I don't think I've said this recently, but I really love when you do the announcements from your couch. And I love that because it reminds me of last year when we were worshiping from your couch for like four months. Uh, that was pretty awesome. So yeah, thank you. 
You are so welcome. I know you did it just for me. Yeah. <laughs> and convenience. Uh, that's just funny because I actually did the whole announcements from my couch and said the wrong date on the youth group thing. And sweet Anna in the back who's running pro presenter was like, uh, girl, this is at like 10 p.m. last night. This is incorrect. And I was like, all right. So the next week, it'll all be from my couch because it'll have the right date. Anyway, everybody in middle school and high school should totally go, even though I messed up the announcement. It's okay. Yeah, please come save me. You I'm going to keep talking. Tap in. This is the part of the service where every week we invite your questions and we do our best to respond. So um, I don't know what questions came in. Would you share those today? There's only one actually, and it's uh, a pretty simple one. It says, is there any way we can get a print made of the graphic for this sermon series? It would be cool for my home and also a cool way to support our local artist. Yeah, um, surely I think we could. I think that'd be really neat. Um, I don't have an answer to how, but... Um, We'll reach so. out to Kate and... Yeah, we'll reach out to Kate and see what she says. Kate, uh, one of our artists at West Fifth Studios, um, she designed that for us. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was simple. Yeah, I told you. You guys were really easy today. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, next week, we're going to continue this conversation about who we are as a church and who we're going to be um, by talking about what it means when we say, come as you are, and it's okay to not be okay. Uh, that is something that's really important, not only to our culture, to what, what we believe God is asking us to do in the world around us. So um, join us next week for that. So with that then, did you have anything to add? Are you good? Um, I'm good. There were, I said that was the only question. No other questions came in, but someone said thank you to all the coffee volunteers that make the coffee every Sunday. So totally agree. Thank you. And then someone else said, thank you, brother, from the candles and the smoke in tell to your awareness of mission and spirit of repentance, much needed and well said. Love you. Thank you. I love you guys too, quite a bit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.